Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Last teaching, we started looking at the identity of the seed of the woman. But the second question is, why did God play his hand and allow, announce the proto-evangelium to the devil? Why did God play his hand? So we've been looking at the identity of the seed, this seed of the woman. We've seen this connection to three people, to God, to Abraham, to David. But the Bible also, which is where we are moving on to tonight, the Bible also connected the seed of the woman to a peculiar group of people. Remember when we read that Genesis chapter 3, we said that word seed is actually a collective singular. So the seed of the woman is one singular, specific individual, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But however, he exemplifies and represents this group of people. So the seed of the woman is actually connected to this group of people in the scripture. And all these men and women that the seed of the woman exemplify, that the seed of woman represents, all these men and women, they also in turn tell us something about their seed, about that seed, sorry. They in turn tell us something about that seed in their individual little way. So individually, in their little way, here a little, there a little, they express and reveal to us something of that ultimate singular seed of the woman. In other words, this group, they are types and shadow of the seed of the woman. Now, they are not the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is the Messiah, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The seed of the woman is one individual, is the Lord Jesus Christ. But this group, in their own little way, even in their fallen state, they are actually types and shadow of the seed of the woman. And they point forward. They are almost connector, as it were. Remember one of the things we said about patterns and connection, connection as you read through stories. So these individuals, they point forward towards the ultimate seed of the woman. They, are, they connect us to him. They keep our face on him and they point in the direction of the coming of the seed of the woman. So in their individual little way, they prepare the way for the Messiah. Let's take John as a terminal example of a member of this group that we are talking about. So we are going to read John chapter 1. You know, there is a period, and we've mentioned this in our period, previous, previous, previous teaching. There is a period between the Old Testament and the New Testament that we call intertestamental period, 400 years that people call silent years. And we've read, we've studied, it's not really silent in the sense that God didn't say anything about those times. Yes, it is silent because there was no prophet. There was no voice, direct voice or prophet from heaven. Yes, it was silent in that sense, but it's not really silent because God didn't say anything. There's a lot that God said about that period in the book of Daniel. If you didn't listen to that teaching, please search for it on this channel and it will be there. But suddenly, now this is the point I'm dragging to actually, suddenly John came on the scene and he came in the spirit of the prophets of the Old Testament. And obviously, suddenly everybody was asking questions. Suddenly, everybody was actually expectant. Who is this John? So the leaders, you know, 
eventually sent a message to John. And this is where the conversation, okay? So John chapter 1, verses 19 and 24. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask John, who art thou? Verse 20, and he confessed, and the lie not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Obviously, John knew what this is all about, okay? You bust off on the scene. They have been waiting for the Messiah. They have been waiting for the seed of the woman. And suddenly, everybody thought maybe John was him. And John clearly tell them, I am not the Messiah. So this group of people, they are not the Messiah, okay? The Messiah is one individual called the Lord Jesus. Is The Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. But then what did John say about himself? Let's jump down to verse 23. Because they asked him, then who are you if you are not the Messiah? Why are you baptizing people? Verse 23, John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said prophet Isaiah, make way the straight of, make way or make straight, sorry, make straight the way of the Lord. Verse 31, and I knew him not, but, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. So what we are saying is that just like John, Individual one of the people in this group, they, in their little way, they prepare the way for the Messiah. They are connectors on this journey. They are important on this journey. And they point forward towards the ultimate seed of the woman and they prepare the way. And that was exactly what John was telling them here. I am not the Christ, but I have a job to do. Number one, he said, my job is to make straight the way of the Lord. My job is to be there, to be, you know, a facilitator as it were. I said, I knew him not, but, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, am I might come baptizing with water. I dare say that that is still the job. Now he has come, but we still have a job to make him known to other people. We like member of this group, our job as ministers, as leaders in the church, just like John pointed the face of his disciples to Jesus and said, this is the lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then the disciple follow him and people come and say, Jesus is baptizing more people. Then he said, Paul, John said, I told you I'm not the Christ. He must increase and I must decrease. Our job is not to point people to ourselves or to point people to our church. Yes, thank God, God will use us. God will use our church. But ultimately, our job is to point people to Jesus, to point people to the Messiah. Praise the Lord. And all this will explain some of the sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ, which obviously got the leaders of those days very, very angry. For example, in John chapter 5, verses 46 and 47, the Lord Jesus said, For had you believed, he was talking to the leaders of the Jews, he said, Had you believed in Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. Moses is one of this group. But if you believe not his writing, how shall you believe my word? The Lord Jesus was telling these people, if you have believed Moses, you will have believed me. Why? Because Moses wrote about me. It was one of the group that was pointing the prophets, you know, the fathers, the, 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 the priests. Their job is really to point towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
In, in, we, we read that incident in Luke chapter 24. First, the Lord Jesus Christ walking with the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And then secondly, when he appeared to the apostles behind the closed door. But let's look at what the Lord Jesus t- told those two disciples on the way to Emmaus. The Bible says that I'm beginning at Moses and all prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scripture the thing concerning himself. So this is what the scripture is all about. This is the heart of the scripture. The prophets, the writings, the Torah is all about him. An individual that God used, an individual event that God used, they appointed to the ultimate seed of the woman. And then when they were, you know, gathered behind the door, the Lord Jesus appeared to them, and in verse 44 of that Luke chapter 24, the Lord Jesus said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophet and in the psalm concerning me. So all those things, and those are the three divisions. Again, we've learned this, we've taught this in the past. Those are the three divisions of the Old Testament scripture. And the Lord Jesus said that they are about him. He was telling, you know, the people that tried to come and arrest him when he said, you search the scripture because in them you think you have eternal life. But they are those who talks about me, but you will not come to me that you might receive life. And it is very, very important for us to know that the movement of the scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament is all geared and bent and it is towards the seed. It is towards the Messiah. And the Lord Jesus was expounding in all scripture about himself from the prophet, the writings, and the book of Moses. So all God's events, and this is very, very important, all God's events and all the righteous personality of the scripture, they are ultimately, ultimately, they are types and shadow of the ultimate seed of the woman. Ultimately, they are types and shadow Ultimately, they are all pointing to the seed of the woman, the Messiah, he that was to come. And in the land of Israel, this expectation is very, very much understood. Okay, And that was why before the Lord Jesus came, there were so many fake fake Messiah that came on the scene. And you remember when they arrested the, the apostles in the book of Act and they were going to kill them and Gamaliel rose up and asked them to put the apostles away and he said look people have a reason and proclaimed themselves to be Messiah but they all fizzle out he said if this is of men it will fizzle out but if it is of God you will not be able to do anything about it so the expectation of the Messiah coming was very rife in those days and that was the reason why when John burst into the scene people thought he was the Messiah and he told them I am not that's not my job that is not the job of this this group. The job of this group is to point towards him. So I will read that again. Ultimately, all God's event, in fact, I dare say all God's commandment, all God's instruction through from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and all the righteous personality of the scripture that have come about from Noah all the way down to the prophet, they are ultimately, all of them are ultimately only types and shadow. Important, yes, but they are types and shadow. Daniel, Joseph, name them. They are all type and shadows. The great king like David, the great fathers like Abraham, they are all types and shadows of the ultimate seed of the woman who is the Messiah. And you know, when you read the book of Hebrews, that was 
the 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 heart that was actually the heart of that of that book that was the message that book is passing across that the lord jesus christ is the greatest the supremacy of the lord jesus christ okay thank god for aaron thank god for the prophets thank god for the angels thank god for the old covenant but the lord jesus christ is the ultimate he is the ultimate he is ultimately the seed of the woman that is going to crush the head of the serpent and then cleanse the kingdom of god both in heaven and earth of all this rebellion and sin and then bring about the wrapping up of this old order and the bringing in of the new order in which there will dwell righteousness, there will be no sin, there will be no rebellion for eternity to come. So this group of people, they were shadows and forerunners of the Messiah. They tell us something about the Messiah. Understand that they were not perfect. Many of these people make mistakes, but all the same, they are pointers. They were they are light bearers as it were. They are shadows and they are types of the Messiah. The Bible called these people, these men and women, women, the Bible called them men and women of faith. The Bible called them righteous men, righteous women. These people, they walk with God and they serve God in their generation. They walk with God and they served God in their generation. And we read about them in Hebrews chapter 11 because it testified to us about this group in Hebrews chapter 11. And we are going to read verses 13 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrim on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Verse 16. But now they desire a better country that is unheavenly where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared, what? <laughs> for them, a city. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that was the testimony. I mean, we could read through the old chapter of the book of Hebrews chapter 11, because it's actually a testimony to this group of people. They, they were men and women of faith. They were righteous people. They were men and women that served God in their generation. They were men and women that, 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 walk with God in their generation, they reveal something in their own little way. Remember, they are not perfect. It's not the totality of their person that represent or that reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. They just reveal this seed of the woman in their own peculiar little way. <laughs> Amen. As they serve their generation, as they walk with God. Okay. So this group of people, <laughs> they confuses Satan and gives him a big headache. Because this is the problem Satan has, that when a righteous soul comes on the scene, this, the devil starts having nightmare. Because the question is, it's not sure, is this the ultimate seed of the woman? <laughs> is this the Messiah that God promised him in the garden that is going to appear and crush his head? So you can understand why this will cause the devil to have a nightmare when he sees another Daniel or another Joseph or another David or another Joshua, these people, or another Noah even. Remember, I said these people are not perfect, but these are men that walk with God and walk in righteousness. And once the devil has anybody like this, he usually gives him heartache and palpitation and headache. So what then, to, what then tend to happen is that Satan will usually pursue after them to destroy them. <laughs> and this is what we'll see 
you, you will see this scenario play out over and over as this story unfold. Okay, that the devil will get nightmare, will get disturbed when a righteous seed come on the scene and it will pursue them, wanting to destroy them. And we will see this scenario play out over and over as our story unfolds. In the next section, by the grace of God, I'm going to take a specific example of one person that the devil did this to. But again, we will take each one of these people when we come to their junction as we go through the story. But I will mention one in particular as we'll answer our next question. You remember two questions. What is the identity of the seed of the woman? And we have seen the identity, but there is another question that we want to ask ourselves. And that question is, why did God play his hand so openly? Why did God preach the proto-evangelion in the hearing of Satan? Now Satan knows God's plan. Why did God play his hand? Was telling Satan about this plan, was that actually part of the plan? That is very, very important. Remember, God doesn't make mistakes. So if God played his hand, and if God told Satan about his plan, it's because that is part of the plan. Praise the Lord. You know, this reminds me of Job. And Job is one of those groups that I said I'm going to mention in this section. In Job chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, this was when Satan gathered among the sons of God. Now, we're going to come to what is the implication of that or what that is all about, not in this teaching. And the Lord said unto Satan, as thou consider my servant Job, that there is no like him in the earth, a perfect an upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Remember, it was not the devil that brought up this conversation. This conversation was brought up by God himself. Okay, This is another situation where we can say God is playing his hand. Understand that Job was one of those men of faith, one of those men of righteousness that, that I mentioned a moment ago. God told Satan about Job. Satan tried to then corrupt and turn Job against God. You remember the shenanigan that went up? I'm not going to go into all that. Satan went all the way. He, he, his contention was that if God withdraw his hand, Job will turn against God. So Satan tried to corrupt Job. He tried to turn Job against God just like he did with Adam and Eve. But he failed miserably. In fact, this time around, he did a lot more to Job than he did to Adam and Eve. But Satan failed miserably. Also, in the process, his evil and wickedness was on display for all to see. He attacked a righteous and honest man. But why did God allow him to do it? Why? Because Job was a shadow of the Messiah. He was one of those groups. Remember what I said about this group. In their little individual way, they point forward to the Messiah. And this is one of the reasons you have to understand. Some people want to be Job. You are not Job. There's only one Job. Now we can learn principle from the life of Job. There was, this was a part Job needed to play among this group in pointing forward towards the Messiah. Why did God allow this to happen? Because Job here was a shadow of the Messiah. Just the same way that God allowed Abraham or God, people will say, tempt. God did not tempt Abraham, but that was the same reason why God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. No, not because God wants a blood sacrifice. No, it was because Isaac in a peculiar way was a picture 
also of the Messiah in that peculiar way. So God is not going to ask anybody else to do the same thing to his son that Abraham did to Isaac. That was particular, that was peculiar, and that was the way in as a member of this group that they were pointing forward to the Messiah. So God allowed this because Job here was foreshadowing the Messiah and Satan's evil and Satan's madness will be in full-blown manifestation, just like it did with Job. Even greater, much more than that, we'll see this madness and wickedness of Satan being on public display, ultimately in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately on that cross. One thing is clear, the fulfillment of God's plan only depends on God. And this is very, very important. It doesn't matter whether the devil knew whether God placed his hand. This is important. This is clear. What we are seeing here is that God works all things out after the counsel of his own will. The devil cannot stop God, cannot stop the purpose of God. He's not smart enough. He's not strong enough to stop the purpose of God. And when I say stop, I'm not even talking about man to man. I'm talking not in a million year, not in a thousand year, not in a trillion year. Can he stop the purpose and the will of God? When something happens, it is because it is in the will of God. I'm talking about in the uh, manifestation. I'm talking about in the unfolding of the, the story of redemption that we are talking about. It is because it is in the will of God that that is the way and that is the process that things are going to go. Let's read this in the book of Isaiah. Let's read a couple of scripture. I'm going to read Isaiah and then I'm going to read the book of Psalm. Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10. It said, God declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel, it shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. God will do his pleasure. God cancel will stand. A thousand and a million Satan cannot stop the cancel of God, cannot stand against God's pleasure. Psalm 33 verse 11, the cancel of the Lord standed forever and the thought of his heart to all generations. God's cancel will stand forever. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the cancel of the Lord that shall stand, that shall stand. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who, what, worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, it is very, very important for us to understand this, that the fulfillment of God's will does not depend on what Satan knows or what he doesn't know or what Satan does, or what he does not do. It does not depend on what Satan will do or not do. It does not depend on whether Satan will want to stand against it. It doesn't depend on that. God is always many light years ahead of Satan because God is God. He alone is God. God's plan will be perfectly fulfilled in his own time. God is never taken by surprise. Okay, nothing happened. The fall of, of Adam and Eve did not take God by surprise. God did not have to marshal his wisdom and strength to say, how do we deal with this? God knew that was going to happen. God knew what was going to happen and God is God and he was prepared for it. Satan cannot stop the plan and the purpose of God. Though as we have seen, he will not stop trying. <laughs> this does not stop him from trying. But he failed in the past and he will keep on failing. And understand that any apparent, and the word is apparent, any apparent victory that Satan seems to have are only possible within God's sovereign will, plan, and purpose. 
any apparent victory that Satan seems to have is not victory. Okay? It is part, part of the process of the plan for the will of God to be done. So we, I'm going to stop here today. <laughs> Amen. So we have been looking at the content and implication of this judicial judgment that God passed upon Satan, upon the serpent and Satan. Next, in turn, to receive their own judgment is obviously Eve and then Adam. So by the grace of God, we are going to pick it from here. Next teaching. And if you are listening to me, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know what you are waiting for. You don't need to wait any longer. There is no other way. If there is any other way to truly be saved, God will have done it. But there is no other way. And God has provided a way out for every single one of us. And it is now your turn to come to him and admit that you are a sinner, you cannot save yourself, and come to the Savior. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior, and he will. He will take that dead heart out of you. He will give you a new heart. He will be your Lord and Savior, your friend, your father, and he will walk with you the rest of your life on this earth. And when this is all over, the most joyous thing there is that we will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.